Folks, welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. It's been a minute since our last Rugby Pick'em bio, but to kick off Raptor Week, we got Casey Rock. He sat down with Logan Corndog Collins and I, and uh, we just talked rugby. The conversation went everywhere from Casey playing soccer at East High School before he even touched a rugby ball, playing in New Zealand as well as Australia, met some interesting characters down there, uh, and obviously his long, extensive career with the Glendale Raptors. It was a Friday night. We got a little loose. We had a good time. It's a long interview. Be sure to listen all the way through the outro for the bonus content, but here is Casey Rock. All right, we are here back with a rugby pick and bio. It's been a hot minute, but I'm sitting with none other than Casey Rock. I feel so famous. Thank you for having me. And our co-host for this episode, Logan Collins. Also a pleasure. We're sitting in Logan Collins' house. It's Friday. Everybody's a bit relaxed. We just want to sit down with Casey, a man who was born in Denver, raised in Denver, played rugby in Denver, and uh, I guess I should drop the word Glendale, but, you know, greater Denver area. You know, as a Denver kid, I never... When people ask where Glendale is, where our club is from, I'd always say Denver. Yeah. It's the capital of Denver. That's what you said. Yeah. I'm sure that's what the mayor Mike Donovan says. The Vatican. (laughs) The Vatican City. Either way, he's... uh, You can't miss him. He walks in a room and commands it simply because he's six foot nine. Yeah. And um, he's been playing rugby for quite a while. We've got quite a story to get through, but I guess it's got to start with the first time you heard about rugby or got a rugby ball in your hands. Um, I was always sort of generally aware of rugby. Like my mom had a college boyfriend who played and East has had a team since like the eighties. So I was always sort of generally aware of it. And, but I, I like, I was a soccer player and so I never, um, really considered the idea of playing. It's just like, wow, that is a crazy, it looks fun, but like I had soccer scholarship stuff and didn't want to ruin it. Where'd you get the scholarship to? The Metropolitan State University of Denver. The big dogs. Yeah, the big he dogs. was never going to leave Denver. It was always <laughs> sure. going to be He's here. a Denver guy. I, I mean, it wasn't like a choice. I wasn't, I wasn't even really planning on going to college. I was like, really, I was a good student, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I, like I was going to take a gap year and work and stuff and the Metro um, coach was at a tournament that I was playing in and just noticed that I was a giant dude who could move around a little bit yeah. and Hand without coordination. Without, honestly, without like even checking out if I was good at all, yeah. sort of offered me a scholarship. And um, so I decided like, dude, college sounds awesome. Let's do it. So I went to Metro and played soccer for a year and was just not good enough. That's like, the poker version of a coach going all in. Yeah, just, one, sir, I just met you, but you have a scholarship. I mean, right like, like I was, I was okay. Like I, um, like I played at a high club level, and I like I captained the East high school team. But even D two was like my first touch wasn't anywhere near good enough, and um, it just kind of sucked. Coach was mean, and I was bad at it, and I wasn't getting any better. So after a year, I stopped and I like moved back home. Did the flopping get to you? Deflopping definitely got to me, dude. That's as such a large guy, pretty much sixty percent of my job was to run around and kick people and win headballs and flopping worked against me. Um, but I was living at my mom's house, like in her basement, and feeling sorry for myself because I sucked at soccer and quit. And uh, she 
was reading the Rocky Mountain News and classic publication. Glendale's um, first ever trial was in there, so that's how I started playing for Glendale. But prior to that, I started playing at East in high school. Yeah, let's dig into that at East. This what thirty plus year rugby dominant Denver high school. Who's the guy there? Bill Bear is the is the boss there. He's the one who the Don. Yeah, he's he's a made man. He's a made man. <laughs> I think he just loves rugby more than anybody in the whole world. But he, I can't remember if it was after a practice or a game that I was playing soccer for East, but he came up and he was like, hey, that was a pretty good game. Um, you know, like, I think if you played rugby, you might be able to make the U.S. team and you'll never, ever, ever make the U.S. soccer team. And I was like, interesting. Yeah, that's a good coach. <laughs> just, just poaching players from rival. Yeah, like, that's priming clubs, right there. You can have what's in door A or door B. Right. Yeah, place a little bit of doubt in them and then, you know, really put them on a good path towards <laughs> that, success. I don't know, man. That really flattered me. And I was like, sweet, rugby sounds awesome. And started playing. Right. Um, I only played three games because I dislocated my shoulder in our like third game at East um, playing against Chris Patterson in Colorado Springs High School. James Patterson. James Patterson. Yeah. Chris Patterson. For sure. Did any high school in Denver challenge you in your reign at East? Or did you guys win the championship every year? They were in the championship every year. They like traded wins with Colorado Springs. We lost to, uh, this, to Colorado Springs <laughs> in the state championship that year. That seems to be the two powerhouses of late. Although I've heard Palmer, which is somewhere in the middle, is legit yeah. now. No, we um, rugby pickup is about to get on the high school rugby scene in a big way here in Denver. Just I, putting uh, a little foreshadowing out there. Okay. So, so we went out um, like in all our rappers gear to like rep and like support the youth stuff, and it was surprisingly quality. Like there were kids out there just crushing each other. Where was and, this? Um, like so, we went out to East to watch East Palmer, and uh, then we went out to the semifinals and watched Regis play because Zach Benolio and right, right. and all those guys were Regis players and coaches. We got a Regis connect on the Barbos. His name's Marco DeGuyer, but you know he has a ponytail, so <laughs> you got to take a step back when you see a ponytail. Okay. <laughs> the Glendale Regis connection is strong with Dustin Croy, Zach Benolio, and now. Uh, Mikey Garrity. Yeah, I raise yeah, you a Garrity's one Mikey player. Garrity. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. High school rugby in Denver, I think, is it's better than most cities in the U.S., for sure. Yeah, so East won the championship this year, and I think that made them, if not in the top ten, close to the top ten nationally, which is, you know, yeah. always good. We were never ranked nationally. Yeah. I mean, when I was doing high school rugby, I don't ever remember that being the case. There was the state championships. We had some, like, Colorado all-star teams we put together but in terms of an actual high school or high school level club team I don't think that was ever a thing there wasn't ever a national competition where we'd send Colorado Springs out to you know and that's why I imagine the national championship numbers are bloated because in the early days of high school rugby only so many teams with the right backing can get out to what you would consider a final four tournament or an invitational with all the best teams like the state, it's like states' rights. The states should get really good and have their own state competitions. And then when we get good enough, you can have a Northeast Championship or you can have a South Championship. But parents don't need to be paying AAU money to ship rugby kids halfway across the country to get games. Like, no, and how are you going to compare a bunch of high school kids from like Sacramento and Salt Lake City and Denver and Houston or whatever like to rural who's Alabama? Gonna, who's going to do that? Yeah. yeah. But eventually, you land in Glendale. 
Some say the capital of Denver, but in reality, it's its entire own municipality. Yeah, it's like one and a half square miles, with a few thousand residents, and a, some of the biggest box stores in the state, and, it, and a couple grifters on Colorado Boulevard. Couple grifters, that's it. They don't register in Glendale, <laughs> but they're there. Yeah. And let's start at the beginning. I mean, when <laughs> Rugby Town USA was simply a, a thought in Mayor Donovan's mind. Barely. He probably talks himself so, in his head a lot. I can't comment to that, but he's a man with a plan, so you got to assume there's some conversations in there. I laugh because I think Mike Donovan will be the white whale rugby pick him interview that we'll always hope for, but never get. Man, you gotta get him. You gotta get him soon. I think with the rise of the MLR, he's really his prestige. I mean, he might run for the... governor very quickly. Then I'm gonna need security I mean, clearance. Seen his, you've seen his music video with Michael Jordan. Sure, I've seen that. Listeners, if you have not seen this YouTuber right now. Mike Donovan and Wyclef Sean. It's from his previous run for governor, right? Man, I was impressed. I mean, he, he's awesome. He is. Um, he's quite a guy. I want to say he made it happen because he's clearly the politician with the clout, but who were the pieces right off the bat? So, I mean, Donovan is a major driving force. Like, he's, like, the personality and was probably the money for a long time. I'm not, really, like, really sure how that works, but they had a pretty decent team of like really passionate people like mark bullock was probably the actual driving force like if bullock was the ideas man and the guy who you know sort of pushed it through legislature to get the money for all that stuff and like pitch it as an idea mark bullock is probably the guy in my mind who made the gears turn and like really put in a lot of laid laid a lot of the early groundwork Um, he still writes the press releases so Oh, he's probably the, the man in the high tower with the 360-degree vision. So one of my favorite memories was finding out, like, 19 years old, that the Rugby High Commission was part of the city government, and, like, he was the first ever, like, director of rugby for the city of Glendale, like, as his primary job. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. Just made up a job. The Rugby High it. Commission. Only a tiny little weird municipality like Glendale can make a rugby thing like this work. Like, yeah. when a town has bigger needs and more just square mileage they can't afford to just put money into a huge entertainment center but glendale works because it is right off the highway it's right on colorado there's all these big hotels there donovan just saw it before everybody else did you know and i honestly i think he probably had this long-term view where like the city was changing because when i i went to the first ever open tryout i found an ad in the newspaper went to the first ever open tryout and they were out there sell like we were in Mere Park behind the Goodwill in Glendale. Yeah. Um, on Saturday, and there were like seven of us. And Bullock and Dunfin are out there and they're like selling this like rugby stadium. And the coach was an all-black named Jeff Old. And um, they already had like a bunch of dudes who like weren't here at this tryout, but we're totally in and we're gonna do all this wild stuff. And you know, like they sold the long-term view of it. And that was in 2006. Yeah. So, like, to see it all come true, <clears throat> 12 years, is pretty wild. Yeah, yeah and it wasn't a, it wasn't an immediate success, though, right? I mean, there was there were some like tough years as far as like the club scene around Glendale. You know, obviously competing competing against the local Denver clubs, but you know, it wasn't always the dominant Raptor team that we have now. So and sadly, it's been pretty successful. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, sadly, transitioning into the years, I showed up 2013, the first time we ever played against each other. Uh, it was my first call on the field 
the Barbells finally got a win against the Surgeon Glensdale in 2013, but after that, you guys pretty much skunked us in the PRP, and I'm uh, I'm putting my tail between my legs right now. As I don't know, I mean, that was an, that like that was a really big game. I remember that it was really physical, and um, you guys, because I just remember being so sour after that game because. Like I was telling you before, Dustin Troy and I had just gotten back from Australia playing down there, and we were like super pumped to be like back playing for Glendale and stuff. And um, yeah, then you guys just just got us. And yeah, was, there was a Moreno punch up a given in any uh, Denver Barbell yeah. game. Just a couple of adults that uh, can't help themselves. So emotional. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I've, the Moreno brothers are people that I've been for for people that I like so well. I've been more of like dust ups with them than anybody <laughs> in the world, and I like them so much better than a lot of people. They're yeah. like really nice dudes. But. I, when you get in a guy's face and grab his collar or take a swing at him after the game, more often than not in the rugby world, you make right and you kind of like laugh about it. But yeah. there are some guys who you're like, it's I don't fucking like you, and I'm not talking yeah. to you. <laughs> it's it's a lot easier now too, like when you're not like in the heat of the rivalry. Yeah. Like now that we're older, like I've played like for the classic Eagles with Rob Moreno, and so you know, like. And like for the misfits and stuff, so yeah. we've played together in addition to playing against each other. It's like, yeah, Chris, lines get blended. Chris, you know, we were on the same team, and Chris punched me in the back of the head one time, and he's one of my favorite people. Ever. You know, he's... <laughs> lines do get blended. I mean, Logan and I have played for the Barbos, but Logan's good enough to be offered a contract professionally, so he plays for the Raptors on occasion. And I played against the Raptors for so long that I know all you guys, and yeah. I feel like over the years, everybody who plays rugby in Denver just kind of like knows each other and respects each other. And I think like when I first started playing the like the Glendale Barbos rivalry, like was a little bit darker than it is now. Like a lot of like some of the, like the guys who took that really seriously have aged out of it, yeah. and so it's a little bit more like of a wholesome competition now. I've said this over and over. I hope that we keep sending players up to go play with the Raptors because you want good players to come through your system, come through your club, and get paid. Well, and that's why I I don't know the official reasons, but like we dropped our D two team this year, so we've got the pro team and the D one, and like they restructured our academy so that it's like the D one and the academy are sort of the same thing now. Yeah. So that's like, um, you know, like club level the club level rugby here is on lock. Yeah. Like, you know, we weren't really even that competitive because like, the barbells were so good. And you stretched thin too. I remember sure. last year you guys started out with an MLR squad, a D1 playing Red River, a D2 playing locally, and the U23, whatever you call yeah, those, but academies. The, yeah, the academy was playing like college B teams and beating by 100 points. Yeah, yeah. Our D2 team was getting, like, showing up with, you know, 18, 19 guys. And when you take injuries up top, yeah. you pull guys up. So it happens. Yeah. It's a readjustment. It's like an accountant who gets the budget for the new year. He's like, what can I do with this now? And they've clearly made adjustments. Yeah, but man, the Barbos have made us so much better. Like Logan. Maximo, like, never ages. He's amazing. Um, for sure. What's he taking? Celeste What's he taking? What is he taking? Can we get him tested? Yeah. Heard he's a big CrossFit guy. I don't know those gyms. You know Anymore. they slip each other. A couple he's in the Highlands Ranch HOA, just you know, <laughs> just sculpting that dad bod. But he still got it. Yeah. Now the, the you guys were dominant in the PRP years, and we had some great games. But in the two years that you won the championship, after um, I think Golden Gate took the first year, you skunked us four and zero. 
but one of the final games we played a game where the snow was melting. So it was still super cold and the sun was out. And you guys beat us like 43 to 39 or something. Just one of those shootouts that like rips your heart out so much. Because you think you're there and then you lose in the last second. Kayvon Williams was on the field for us. Like we went so deep. Pinkelman probably saw minutes that game. Like the Glendale Barbell rivalry, the Denver Derby. I hope it happens every year, fall and spring. Even though at this point our club is not on the same page. You guys are playing in the MLR. We are a club playing right. in D2. It's just different pages. And I hope we keep playing games in the nice stadium. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's, do you see they're replacing the turf now? Oh, yeah. Started yeah. In the last couple of days. When's that going to be done? <laughs> I have no idea. I got a good question for you. Yeah. You had a long career under a couple coaches. Compare and contrast Andre Snyman and Davey Williams. Like the Venn diagram. The Venn diagram. Um, I really like playing for both of those guys. Um, Good I, answer. I, I think I improved more under Davey. Like he, he brought a level of professionalism to the club that we did not really have before. I think that was Andre's first ever like real coaching gig because he stopped playing professionally and almost like immediately, I think, moved over here and started um, doing the coaching stuff. He hadn't been done all that long. Um, so it's hard to it's hard to explain the kind of knowledge you get just from being around somebody who like played for the Bulls and played for the Springboks um, consistently. You get a in contact big games. high, um, a rugby contact high. I, I mean, get it from Logan every day. <laughs> I get it from Logan last game too. Um, but he like you know he just had so much knowledge um, that you know you sort of soak that up. My skills have improved, and my like strength and stuff have improved with Davey, and my understanding of the game have probably improved because he's got more of a background as um, the coach with the USA and doing all the strength and conditioning stuff. So yeah, I was gonna say he's really had a background where he's had a lot of exposure to that top level international sort of caliber of play on the field, and also how practice is conducted. So I think when it came time for him to step up and really take that take the reins of the Glendale. I mean he's been killing it. He's one of my favorite coaches I've ever played for. I think his role coaching for other teams has probably been a little bit underrated too. Like I know for the Stampede, like he pretty like you know, he was yeah, he was doing guy. so much. He was the offensive and defensive coordinator pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But that's how people build their careers. They step up mm-hmm. in positions that they're called for more. <clears throat> right. And I'm sure if you're assistant coach in any form on any team, you can always do more. That's that's a little lesson out there to anybody who's taking like a half roll. Just step up. <laughs> step your game right up. Just do it. Yeah, I always say like Andre built the team and Davey refined it. That's what I saw in my years. But I'll Andre say, sort of turned us into a, like a dominant club team. Yeah. Like he got that, um, you know, Bullock laid the foundation because he was our coach for years and years. Yeah. Um, and he that was like during an era when. Guys coming up like didn't really have the skills that they have now, where they weren't starting playing as young. So Bullock was like basic skills, basic strategy. Like as long as you do the simple things right, you'll be successful. And then Andre sort of built us into like a legit club um, team that competed, you know, nationally regularly for sure. Um, and Davey turned us into a professional team. It's been a, a long jump. Like, each one of those guys had a part to play. I mean, Andre coached us for, like, five years. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. quite true. 
He had that thing you could just get behind as a player. You you smelt the ex player all over him. Like yeah, absolutely. He would shout during and, games. He'd get all fired up. You could just see the energy yeah. pouring out of. But him. like legit ex player too, right? Like we've all had those coaches who have played before and think they're awesome. Like I had a few coaches down in Australia who yeah. like almost made it and were super obnoxious. But you know, Andre's not the kind of guy who has to explain himself. No, that goes a long ways to coach. You can tell if a coach is talking to you, but they actually either at that time or at a time had the ability to do it, that carries so much more weight than a coach who thinks he can just, you know, quarterback the whole thing when really the implementation of, of rugby on the field is way different than the, the chalk talk. Yeah. You know? How many top level Glendale caps do you think you had in your career? So year to year, starting for the ones, how many caps? I don't know if anybody knows that answer. Don't be modest. Give us an yeah. estimate. Ballpark this. Okay. So we actually like aggressive boasting here <laughs> on Rugby Picker. I'm not an aggressive boaster. I think, and when, here's the reason why, is because even I'm not totally sure. Because our first few years, Bullock used to book A side and B side games. But we only had like 20 dudes on the team. So we had to play two games every weekend because he was very serious about like, being a man of his word. Oh, like, like we follow through. Yeah. And so, like, I played like a thousand games my first couple of years, like when I was really young. Um, but also, I've been sort of unlucky with really big injuries. Like, I've never had chronic injuries, but like, I had a shoulder where I missed nine months, and I did my knee where I missed 20 months, and I did my wrist where, you know, I missed some time. So, and that was like, I'm really hopeful that somebody's keeping track. Because I, because I'd like to know. So he's setting up his mathematical equation, Logan. We have how many total years? Twelve. With Glendale, you two, played in, two overseas in the first couple of years. You played A and B side games, and you missed yeah. so, what three seasons for injury? So I played two thousand six to so two thousand six two thousand seven. I played Glendale. Two thousand eight. I played a year in New Zealand. Came back at the beginning of. 2009 and played like that's when we played collegiate all-stars together yeah. and i was an all-american no big deal and then played 2009 to 2011 with glendale played a year in australia and 2013 and 2014 destroyed my knee in 2014 took 20 months off and then uh you know it's come back surprisingly well yeah. i feel like it's still it's surprising that it's not my like creakiest part <laughs> <laughs> It is pretty um, amazing but, uh, how your yeah, body so, like recovers. You oh, get yeah, a couple of years and like shit just kind of. I'm sure. Itself. I'm sure we'll get to it. I'll tell you about that a little bit later. But like, it was destroyed. But then I unretired in the in January of 2016. I've played since then. Thank God. And speaking of January 16, it's one of my favorite years in USA rugby history. Our great dear friend Doug Schoeninger put his life's work into opening a league, and the Denver squad was the purple and black Denver Stampede. The two co-hosts on this show today were the studs. Am I not mistaken in saying you locked together? You were the locks of the one and only champion, Denver Stampede. So Sorry, yes. you played in the loose. But yeah. No, no. Logan and I were in the second row a lot together. But like Luke White also played second row that year. And prop. Brody Orr. Most Brody. versatile forward in the game, Luke White. Shout out. That's a fact. Um, That's not speculation. That's a well, fact. Yeah. Mine is Zach Vanoga, who plays. Christian. I take it back. Two, six, seven, and eight. <laughs> Sorry. Next to Zach Vanoga, who can play any position at an elite yeah. level. That's not a fair. 
Christian from CU in the second row. Yep. Stampede. Yep. Yeah. Christian Beesing. Christian Beesing. Love Saw that him the other day. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's, good. He's the night, potentially the nicest person I've ever met. Absolutely. In my life. What were some of the, the funniest stories from that Stampede team? Like, who were the guys you played with? What was the takeaway from the team? What was the year like? It was so much fun. It was, uh, like, when I watch movies about, like, minor league baseball, I think about the Stampede because some things about it were super legit. Like, the first time we traveled, like, to San Diego, we stayed like the nicest hotel room we were like this like fancy ass Hilton like the 10th floor with a view and yeah. uh then we had to go like we went to San Francisco and like we changed in the stands like <laughs> next to families <laughs> <laughs> I mean that was really cool though that was so for most of us um that hadn't played at some sort of high international level we played some decent club ball and certainly for guys that had been around the Glendale scene as well as the Barbo scene, it was kind of a good opportunity just to like you know put the squad together, throw in a bunch of other real legit players from other parts of the country and other countries, and just had this very elite team. And we we're kind of taking a shot at this first, you know, this first effort at legit pro rugby. What is professional States. rugby? Yeah, is it sure. changing in front so of the state? Was, first of all, I was like the quality of rugby there. I was pretty impressed with like. The speed was fast. The defense was good. Like, I remember it was the first time I felt like I was getting battered like I did when I played overseas. Right. And um, it was fun for us because, you know, like, we, you know, for years and years, we'd be, like, at the piss up after the game, like, oh, man, if we could just combine these teams, we'd be so good. Like, between the Barlows and Glendale. Next thing you know, Denver Stampede. (laughs) Purple and Greds, Denver Stampede. Hey, piss ups are at the uh, the watering bowl. What a time to be alive. (laughs) Watering bowl, that's true. That was very, uh, it just suited the whole thing so well. Like, oh, the watering bowl. And I think what what kills, like, proud Barbo fans is now the combination of Denver Barbos and Glendale Raptors are playing under a Raptor jersey. And in pro rugby, it was this alternate jersey. It was this purple and black that nobody connected with, but both teams played for. But Barbo fans will get over it. Like, we're a club. We're not a professional side. It's all good. We won a championship last year. We'll hopefully win more, and we'll hopefully send guys up. That's how it works. Stampede was pretty easy to get behind. <laughs> yeah. What a name. And you had the bull with the bull ring in there. I Logan Collins still wears a stampede hat all the time. Dude, no, I sure. still wear my stampede but My fiance occasionally wears her stampede hat. It's like, I see those jerseys around sometimes. I'll be at a rugby game, some random kids wearing some stampede That's hats. You know there, there's like a couple of like 14-year-old kids who come to our Glendale <laughs> games wearing stampede jerseys. It's sure. like, Dude, your parents are awesome because <laughs> yeah. you were 12 years old when they bought you that. They happened to bring you to a 100-degree game at DU in late July well, in man, 2006. So, so I didn't play in that first Stampede game in the, like, the snowstorm. I was in the crowd, yeah. and the weather was absolute garbage. It was so cold and wet. And Terrible. people were so fired up. Like, the crowd was pretty big. Will like, McGee, big balls. Will hit McGee. it from the sideline. That's true. Big fucking kick. And those were the two teams that ended up in the final as well. What a good year. Our dearest, greatest friend, Doug Schoeninger. We got a lot more to come. We're planning on defending him in his suit against USA Rugby. 
Our legal team's all over it. We're pouring through the papers right now, making sure our case is rock solid. My uh, my mom sat next to him at one of our games at DU, and he was kind of rude to her. <laughs> Shocker. Just saying. Did he rob her? Uh, no. He was sitting In a way, he did, because he never paid her son. <laughs> so my mom is not really the kind of person who talks trash. And after the game, she's like, no, I sat next to like Doug, the owner. And I was like, oh, Doug, the owner. And she's like, yeah, I uh, made a joke about how the T-shirts were like, 50 bucks and as a mother of one of the athletes I should get one for free for raising one of the people who, like who's part of his product and he like looked at her and just like looked away and didn't respond <laughs> he had to process it internally yeah. he had to cite it for the lawsuit he, didn't, the he didn't appreciate Doug keep collecting evidence <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyhow I got an off topic question and I just kind of want to see what you like outside of our Denver bubble sure outside of the C470 collar you know, it's like the dog collar. You just can't get out of the city. You sure, sure. Who is your favorite international lock to watch? Um, and by that I mean like test rugby, like current or historical. Current or historical. Who's the goat? Who's your favorite lock? Brad Thorne. I always He's a bad man. I I would just watch him play and just like know I wasn't as hardcore and wish that I could be. <laughs> He made you really like secure with your masculinity because you're like, I'm not that. I'm not that. <laughs> well, it's an impossible standard to live up to. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I grew up playing soccer. I'm never going to be Brad Thorne. That's true. <laughs> I think it's, it's hard to come by a guy that's big enough to play, you know, competitive second row, just internationally or whatever it might be. Because I just think that's it's so hard to come by guys that are 6'8, six, 6'9 six, who can actually move. There's so few of them. So when you find ones that actually compete well, and then they end up just being these like monsters for New Zealand or whoever it might be. Like it's, it's really impressive. Impressive. I think you start to appreciate those guys you know, Dude, way more. He's won an NRL, Rugby League World Cup with Australia, and multiple World Cups with the All Blacks, Super Rugby. Like, and you know, like as as a lock, I've always been pretty comfortable with my role as like, you know, somebody who grinds out. Like, who's probably not going to be like in the limelight much and. He was good enough that he was, you know, constantly in the limelight doing that, like, dirty work. And after his first year of a mediocre season with the Reds, he has nowhere to go but up in coaching. You know, you got to start somewhere. He did coach the (laughs) NRC team to a championship. I very rarely listen to a broad podcast, but I heard some, like, Aussie heads just talking about, like, is Thorny just going to run him into the ground? (laughs) (laughs) You know that he did. Yeah, he probably did. I mean, when you come from the all-black culture, it's hard to, like, preach, in my opinion. As somebody who's never been there, it's hard to preach that level of tenacity and bring it somewhere else and apply it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I played in Brisbane. Yeah? Tell um, us a little bit about Queensland Rugby Union. Um, I was surprised to find that the rugby community is so small there. Like, rugby league is a much bigger game in Queensland. It's so weird. Um, but like they're so passionate, like they they love it so much. They're a bunch of teams, um, but it's a really tight knit community. What was your club? I played for uh, Brothers Rugby Club in Albion. It's a uh, it's basically the Glendale of Australia by coincidence. <laughs> Everybody hates them. They're called the Filth. Like that's their nickname. Gosh, um, that's a really good nickname. No. That's and uh, I was not meant to play for them. I wasn't supposed to play for them originally. It never I, works out. So Mike Hurley of Aspen fame and Glendale fame um, is from 
like Malulaba, Queensland, which is near Brisbane. And he was, when, the, when they played for us in 2011, when we won the D1 National Championship, we got, like, we were pals. And I was trying to go abroad again and play. And so he contacted some friends at the University of Queensland, which has a club that plays, like, in the men's competition and are, you know, like, perennial favorites. And so, you know, went down there to play for UQ and uh, found out that, like, all the emails in the emails they told me like oh yeah well you know we'll find Hacked. a place for you to stay Hacked we'll, uh, emails. we'll we'll get you a job like it'll be sweet like it'll be we'll be happy to have you and I got down there and they're like yeah go to gumtree.com.au which is basically Craigslist in for Australia. sure uh, I got that. <laughs> and Trade so me. and so like I went down there and uh, Dustin Croy eventually came too I went down there a few weeks before him yeah but you he, scouted it out when <laughs> Dustin <laughs> felt comfortable so, enough. And he texted Casey, is it all good? Do we have a spot? Then he showed up. So, so Dustin and I are really close now. <laughs> I can we're tell. Butt. But, like, we were, like, kind of pals. Now. We were teammates. Like, I didn't really know him. And, you know, he was, he's a few, he's, like, he's, like, three years younger than me. And I was 25. And so I was like, yeah, like, I don't really want you to come, Dustin. I'd rather just go do my own thing. But I'm really glad he ended up coming because we're really close now. But um, we did, like, the entire preseason with UQ. And nobody even, like, spoke to us. This one guy named Isaac, who ended up playing for San Francisco in I pro Isaac. rugby. No, for sure. I know that. Yeah. Guy. Front, so he First and last name. Isaac Halu. Halu. Um, he was playing at UQ then. was the only dude who talked to us, literally, on the team for three weeks. And he was, like, this really nice dude. He ended up playing for a different club. And uh, Dust and I, we couldn't find jobs. You know, like, we were just two young guys with, like, no qualifications. It's really expensive to live down there. Yeah. Like, the first night I went to the bar, like, I woke up, like, really hungover and just being, I remember being like, oh, shit, man. But I spent, like, 100 bucks last night. $12. You know, I, was, like, yeah. I was, I'd spent, like, $450. <laughs> and that was not uncommon. So it was just expensive. Like, we were, like, Dustin and I were running out of our savings, and we were, like, getting ready to come home from Australia after, like, a couple months, or after, like, a month or so, a month and a half, maybe. And, uh, he got a message from a friend on Facebook from high school. It was like, or like his friend posted on Facebook, just another night out in Brizzy. And so we contact this kid named Matt and we're like, Hey dude, we like really need a friend right now. Do you want to hang up? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm down here playing rugby for this club called brothers. It's awesome. You should come out to training. And so we went out and you know, we were like training. There's like six grades. There's premier grade, which is, um, at that point, it was a step below Super Rugby. Like, For sure. go, like a couple of those guys got promoted to the Reds. Yep. Um, and <clears throat> then there's like first, second, third, fourth yeah. grade. And we went out on the first night on this Tuesday and we're just training with the thirds. And like, they're like, you know, it's very amateur down at that Next level. Next thing you know, like, like, four, like fourths are like a bunch of like 14 year olds and 40 year olds. And thirds is like where they start playing rugby, right, right. and uh, they're just so nice. They're like, "Oh yeah, we'll fucking do job. Like, you can come stay at our place. Like, you can live with Irish." And yeah, uh, sure. so, you know, by Thursday, we had jobs and a place to stay. So we we're like, "Fuck yeah, brothers, dude, you guys are awesome." Um, and it, it, it was like the rugby was really good at brothers. I we the club culture like at the top wasn't really great. Like, um. First of all, Dustin was the highest scoring player in all of this. <laughs> he can stop on a fucking dime. If you are pursuing him from the side, he will stop, let you pass him, and then keep on going. It's the emergency car break. He's so, never he's never taken a clean hit in his entire life. Like that guy's 
He's one of the just most talented people on his feet. He's Body impossible control, to support. Balance. Yeah. You, there, you, there's no way to support his lines because, well, first of all, for me, I'm not fast enough. <laughs> but also, like, it's so unpredictable. Like, if I'm supporting you, I'm probably expecting to hit a ruck. And I'm not hitting any rucks with Dustin. Like, there's going to be an offload or... And I'm going to end up chasing somebody else. Um, yeah. But he was the highest scorer in the entire Brisbane competition, all grades combined. In the country. Um, and... But he was still playing like sec, like third and second grade, and our because our club is just spoiled for choice for wings. Like Dom Shipperly, who ended up playing for Australia, was the was one of the wings for the Premier grade. And so Dustin like wasn't really getting a crack, and um, they they didn't have many giant locks. So I got a crack at some of the higher grades. Yeah. Uh, but the club culture was not super fun. Like we lived with and hung out with all the dudes from the third and fourth grade. <laughs> it just felt a lot more like home to us. Um, For anybody from the USA rugby world that doesn't understand this grade talk, I've only seen it in two different countries. I've been lucky enough to like play a limited amount of rugby in, in Australia and Ireland. You show up to a club, a historic club, and the beginning of practice, they break apart six yeah. different ways. Like There'll be 100 to 150 guys come in and this is just what I saw in Dublin, in Ireland. Like, they read off all the names on the first day. First grade starting with you, second grade here. And then they even split nights. First and second practice on Tuesday, Thursday. Three, four, fives practice the other days. And you get promoted up, you get promoted down. But there's this huge scale that I don't think USA Rugby Clubs understand. Because a lot of USA Rugby Clubs are happy to have a second set. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, like, for – so, in – Australia, the way it worked for me was, like, on Tuesday, like, the entire club would gather on, like, the big pitch, up, like, the, the upper oval, and uh, they'd, like, read out names, like, prem grade, these guys, resis, the reserve grade are these guys, and they train on the upper field, like, on each half, and then, like, second and third grade play on the, like, on the lower field, and fourth grade shows up on Saturday to play. Um, but so that, like, you get together on every Tuesday night because there's some movement between the teams, and if you play... Like, prem grade, like, those guys think they're fucking awesome. And then if you play reserve grade, there's really good rugby played there, but it's, like, the players are a little bit, less, like, more inconsistently skilled. If you play really well in that game, you sit on the bench for the prem grade. Yeah. And so, like, you play... Like, That's the ultimate so, cop so, season rugby is playing twos with, like, hey, we might use you. Or, we might use you. Stay warm. You or, play earlier in the day, and you have to, like, warm down just to sit on the bench. So, so like, I... Uh, I played mostly reserve grade, and so, like, I played well enough that, like, I made the bench for prem grade a lot. I, like, I started, like, one game for prem grade, came off the bench for a few, but really didn't play that much there. But that's, like, it sucks, because you're playing reserve grade, and you're trying to, like, put your stamp on it, and so you're, like, just going so hard and laying out into hits and, like, trying to really extend your runs and hit every ruck, and then you do that on a good day. And they're like, cool, come sit on the bench, like, warm up, because you're getting ready yeah. to go on if somebody gets hurt. And it's like, you got more in the tank? I really don't have anything left. So, from the brothers, if you had to pick one, who was your favorite player down there? Not necessarily the best player, but just best club guy, best guy you got to, got to get to know down there. I'm not oh, even man. talking just in terms of performance. Most three memorable, notable guys that you met down at that club. So, and you can pick Dustin. No, you can't pick Dustin. No, I'm not going to pick Dustin. <laughs> he already crashed your party after you scouted it okay, out. So just, just most notable, not like best players. Yeah, sure. Okay. 
So the first one is my roommate, Damien. Yeah. Because he, so we called him Irish because he was the most Irish person in the world. Like we were introduced to him like, hey, this is Irish. He's got some spare rooms to fill up. And um, he was a former professional hurler. Oh, shit. And a carpenter. Hurling what? Insults? <laughs> no, like like the Irish traditional sport of hurling, like professional. But he said good that zing, it was. Zing. He said that it was all like run by like these like super corrupt people, and there was no money in it, and so he like couldn't do it and kept playing rugby. But he was party animal first of all, and like yeah. maybe like a little bit too much. It's key to being <laughs> landlord. He was also, um, and I'll leave his last name out of this, but Irish was illiterate. Like, one night, like, when we were drinking, he got all serious and was like, lads, like, I've got to tell you something. And we were like, what's up, Irish? Like, I can't read and write. He goes, I can't fucking read. I'm nearly fucking illiterate. And we were like, dude, we've seen you, like, you like, get the newspaper. Like, we watched you read the newspaper. He goes, nope, nope. Just faking it. Just the pictures. I look at the pictures, pick out a word here, here and there for myself, yeah. put it all together. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, a good so way to read that's today. Um, and his sister is like a Michelin chef in London mm. who like did all his paperwork for him to get to Australia because he couldn't read around. That's good. So so that he was quite a character. Um, best club. So this guy named Ryan Freeney is probably the nicest. And I honestly didn't hang with the brothers guys that much. We like hung out. Like I, I the reason I liked Australia so much was because I made a lot of friends outside of <laughs> rugby. Like in New Zealand, I just had rugby buds. Yeah. Um, but Ryan Freeney is the man. He's just like a good club dude. He's like like old school prop. Like we're about the same age, but he seemed way older. <laughs> so he's friends with he's like best buds with Isaac Halu. So yeah. we maintained like a little bit of contact. Like like I know he doesn't play for brothers anymore, he plays for Jeeps and they just won like the whole like premiership. Um, or whatever they call it down there these days. And uh Prims. 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 Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's just like he was a uh, like Hard nosed player, like yeah. funny dude. Like he made training fun. Like I didn't love the coaches, and he was always like pulling the rug out from under them in ways that I appreciated. Um, just a good club dude, plus good at rugby. Fun. One of the one of the only Prem's guys that I like actually hung out with. For sure. Yeah. Logan, as a good co-host, you did segue me into, and Casey knows it's coming because he listens to the show. Our top three, and today's pool is a very general pool. Anybody you've shared the Glendale jersey with, the Merlin jersey, whatever they want to rebrand it, OG Glendale, you can pick somebody who's ridden with you for years or a one-off mercenary. you got to pick three guys to help you win one game injury-free. And only an egomaniac would pick themselves. I would never pick myself. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's scrambling right now no. to think of a different so, top three. So... <laughs> Like, let me be real. Like, in terms of locks, like, Alec Parker and I played a few games. Let's just do a lock special right now. (laughs) Just locks? Just locks. Um, Present company included. Present company included? Okay, so. I'm a flanker. Don't feel obligated to pick me. That's okay. I I almost (laughs) mistook you for a lock when I came in tonight. You're pretty giant. Um, Alec Parker is probably the best lock, like, ever. I bet. We're just talking Glendale Mm -hmm. locks. Anybody you played with or shared the Glendale jersey with? So, 
Number one is probably Alec Parker, because he kicked the shit out of me for many years, and then we got to play together, and he made me a lot better. He's still the biggest guy I've ever seen in my life. Bigger than Casey? I don't know who we're talking about. He looks like a cartoon character. He's just so, like, he's all shoulders and jaw. I'm, like, four inches taller than him, and he dwarfs me. I don't, there's something, like, I don't, we just don't carry the same kind of energy. Like, people, like, make way for him in the street, and people see me on the street, and they're like, damn, dude, how big are you? They, like, bump into you and be like, God! Alec Parker's never been spoken to by a stranger. He's like, holy shit. He looks like a caricature of, like, a big guy, you know? It doesn't. It's not a real person. Yeah. So Alec Parker's one. Um, Matt Tapo Jr. Um, he's he played for Munster and Tonga. He captained Tonga. His dad coached the Maori All Blacks, and he was like a player coach for my team when I played in New Zealand. Ah. And he might be the hardest person I've ever been around in real life, um, but also just awesome at rugby. Like his younger brother Alamotsi played at Leicester and. Um, so, Alec Parker, Matt Tepo Jr. And again, you're going to do a whole round of Glendale after this. So, okay. one more lock who you've shared the Glendale jersey with. There's a really close fight between Hayden Mexit and the Corndog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, we always give honorable mention here in Rugby Pick'em. Um... So Hayden Mexed was like awesome. He was like another one of those guys who's like a generation older than me, and plus he's from the town coincidentally that I played in in New Zealand. Really? Um, but he used to he and Alec Parker used to kick the shit out of me at Aspen. Sure. Name drop it. The town? Oh, sorry. So Hayden Mexed um, is from Fakatani, which is the town I lived in in the Bay of Plenty, um, and so we have a lot of mutual friends. Totally by coincidence, even though he was kicking the shit out of me for many years <clears> playing <throat> for Aspen. Um, but man, the corn dog. We played against each other so much. Iron sharpens iron. We've played it with each other so much. We played like so Barbo's Glenda, we played against each other. I don't know how many times. Yeah, we never got to Casey's uh, total caps. Logan, was, you're the math guy in the room. Let's no, do Casey's that. calculation let's say, right. Let's say you had twelve seasons of playing and let's say you know, ten minus Yeah, but then you had like injuries sure. and then you're away for a bit, so yeah. I was just kind of ballparking it. Like let's say you had eight complete season, seasons. Um, I don't know. So you Six in the fall, eight in the spring. Sure, fourteen a year. So I played sevens too. Just so you. But I mean, it's got to be north of. I mean, if we are putting in fifteens and sevens, you're north of a hundred caps. Like no doubt about it, right? I've got. I've got to be hundred. It'd be hard to say that. You know? <clears throat> Hall of Fame, <clears throat> Donovan, <clears throat> hundred caps. <clears throat> ring, ring of Fame, maybe. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> They're gonna retire the jersey. No more fours. No more fours. Actually, no. We are talking about Glendale. There might already be like a tunnel underneath the sports center dedicated to the future Hall of Fame. That's true. <laughs> All right, top three where it really counts. You have a twelve-year history, so everybody out there who doesn't make this list, don't get mad at Casey. Okay. No. Nah. He yeah. really appreciates playing with you, but he can only pick three guys right now to help him win one game of fifteens. Who you got? I'm going to hurt some feelings. Three spring right to mind. And that's because they have helped us win games like single-handedly. First one is Dustin Croy. The man cannot be tackled. And sure. he's just a great teammate. He's a bud. The second one, we already talked about earlier, is Zach Vanolio. He's honestly just so good. And he's a great teammate. Like, He's a good leader. Yeah. He can play any position. Like his skills are just so good, and he's just such an athlete. It's crazy. Great player, even better guy. 
Yeah. Um, and the third one was our hooker from the 2011 national championship. His name is Shay Tamati. And he won a junior world championship with the All Blacks, the junior All Blacks. Um, but he, was, he played hooker and flanker. And I guess the All Black selectors told him, like, to go figure out something else because he was too small. He was never going to cut it. Oh. Which is, you know, fair. But he's honestly... How tall? What were his dimensions? Because in the, in the football world, if you're a tweener, you kind of get lost and cast away. I'm thinking about guys who are outside linebacker DNs right in the middle. And you, you like can't make an NFL roster because your body types is not... Rugby, there should be a place for everybody. I know we're talking about all-black selections, but what, what was this guy's stature? He was... he was, I mean, he was... I think everybody's small. He was small. Like, he was small for a hooker. <laughs> Set the six nine. <laughs> he was small for a hooker. Like, he was small for a six. Um... I guess, I guess short, maybe. I mean, he was just, like, a big, strong dude. Like, you don't play for the Junior All Blacks if you're not legit. Um, but he was just so amazing. But he did drop me in a line-out at halftime of the game, and I dislocated my elbow. Oh. Um, and didn't get to play the ha- second half. And He makes were... top three? He makes top three? <laughs> Honestly, That's why I remember them. <laughs> it's the only mistake he ever made in his life, and it's because he was so hungry for the ball, he was just like, and just like ditched yeah. me. <laughs> and uh, I went went upside down and landed on my arm and dislocated my elbow. And I, uh, I had to join the celebration. So they I, I left at halftime because they thought I'd like really destroyed my arm. It turned out to be fine. But uh, I was in the emergency room when they won. So I had to go join them at the bars afterwards. Yeah, there you go. What a guy. Room. But anyway, Shay, um, Zach Manolio, Dustin Croy are all like amazing. It's but a good top three. I, I do have to say that that made me sad because... There's so many like, yeah. awesome Don't players. even do honorable mention because then you'll disappoint people who don't make it. No, I mean, like, there are so many categories. There's like um, like original Glendale dudes. For sure. All right, um, let's pepper him. Let's pepper him. I'll go first, then you volley. Best pure athlete you ever played with on, at Glendale. He could have the worst attitude in the world. Christian Sarmento. Scarly Hustle Scarly, you're right. For sure. Let's see, that is Surprised me at the whole fucking immediate lightning around. Um, best club guy, Mike Taffel. Mike Taffel. Biggest attitude guy. Who pushed back against the coaches? Mike Graham. Mm. Funniest teammate. This is where the feelings really get hurt. You can tell a guy's not good at rugby. You tell him <laughs> not funny. You're never talking again. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think anybody who probably considers himself funny would ever win this award. Dustin Croy probably makes me laugh the most consistently at I mean he's just such a butt alright I sound like Dustin who was the biggest class clown at practice probably uh, Bradley Winbush Butters Butters he moved to Texas didn't he Shreveport Louisiana he's from Ohio originally stopped in Shreveport made his way to Glendale played a lot of but from here he moved to Texas no from here he moved back to Shreveport Logan, they're different oh, states. It's okay. Still the Bayou. Tell me that's not in Texas. Is that what we're saying? Okay. All right, I'll cut in. Craftiest vet. Craftiest vet. Um, Pete Dahl. Oh, fuck. Most improved player. Now, I'm not talking about in a single year. From the time that you met this guy to his final stages of playing rugby, if not current status. Most improved from the time you met him. That's tough because I knew a lot of guys for like 10 years. Right. Um, Pretty much we're saying they were dog shit when you met them. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Hey, growth is all about perspective, right? Holy shit, I'm really struggling with this one. Can we? Yeah. I've been on a lot of clubs though where they give out that yeah. award. That's like the most improved. Most Are we talking career-wise or what's a back, what's a back comp? You know, like can I pick myself? Like, it's yeah. kind of a little bit of shade in that. Where it's like, well, guys, I wasn't that bad to start the season. But I appreciate it. You can know I name it's... someone? And I honestly have no shade for this. Yeah. Is uh, Cody who Malfi? No, Cody O'Neill yeah. who played in the semifinal and final for me because. He turned up and we were like, damn, this guy's like a big beefy kid. He's going to be fucking awesome. And he like just caught on a little bit slower than we thought, but like he really picked up steam and started playing well um, yeah. towards the end of the season. Can so, we talk about that though? Because I think any rugby player can relate to the hard truth of getting left off a roster. Like you played the majority of this original MLR year and you didn't get picked for the final two games. What's that like? It was the first time I've ever been left off a 23-man roster while I was healthy for any club I've ever played for. And so, I mean, I mean, like, so my feelings were a little bit hurt, first of all. Like, I was a little bit sour, like, if I'm being honest, but... Like, like any natural human we're like, aggression. <laughs> so, like, so, first of all, it's like, it's a bit of a blow to the ego, right? right. So, because so I got a call and it was like, hey, I just want, like, we didn't want you to find out on, like, social media. But like well, you're not in the squad for for Saturday, and this is against the Utah Warriors for the MLR semifinal, and I was like, oh, can I ask why? And they were, it was just like, basic, like the gist was, like you're not like you don't seem quite physically up for it, and so first of all, like that was a bit of like I felt upset about that, but then I started thinking like, well, I sprained my neck this year and missed a couple games, like. My like I got my first old guy like elbow injury like my creaky elbow that just wouldn't come right and so even though I thought I was playing well when I was playing and I was happy about that like in retrospect Cody was playing really well and he was not creaky and thirty one um, and so I don't I don't harbor any hard feelings I was disappointed yes yeah. were my feelings like a little bit hurt yeah but also like um, I get sour when dudes throw fits about not getting picked oh for sure and so. You know, like I, you know, so I went to the game on Saturday. Oh, I went to the semifinal. I hung out with like a bunch of old like Glendale dudes, like Taffle, which was really fun, and um, like you know was like sour there a little bit, like you know, this is bullshit. But um, any good coach, any good players play for a competitive squad knows like there's always a bubble. There's always guys who are gonna make the team and be so freaking relieved and call their family and have a great moment. And there's gonna be guys that miss it. And I think that that's just rugby, man. Well, and. You know, people forget that coaches are part of a team game too, yeah. and like, you know, stakes are high for them. You know, they're they're performing in a different way, but like, you know, they're making tough choices, and I'm sure that nobody like really, really wanted to call me up and be like, "Hey, man, you didn't make the cut this week." Um, but I appreciate. I'm glad they wanting... called you. That's the new way in the NFL. Like, you don't let a guy know you proactively tell him that he's released. Like, maybe that's one of the. I'm not talking about cuts, <laughs> yeah, but like, but also, so, but also, like. Ted is our forwards coach, and I played with him in 2006. Like, we've known each other for so long. Um, so, you know, when, like, when Ted calls you up, it's like, yeah, like, I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, they're trying to put the best team out there. Cody's playing awesome. You know, yeah. I had missed a few games with injuries, and so it was a bit of a hard pill to swallow at the time. But in hindsight, like, you know, that, if, I, if I'm that coach, I, you know, maybe I make that decision, so. Who's to say the 6'9 set piece stud won't be back for an occasional desperation 
Sign him off the couch, Glendale situation. Doing pretty good now. You know, just, <laughs> the the semi, the semi the final was on July seventh. It's been a couple months. My yeah. creaky elbow is not so creaky. Oh, it's anymore. not creaky. I got a little, so, elbow, a little elbow. You know, I was, I was only the second oldest guy on the team. By the way, <laughs> I was playing with Maximo and Pete Dahl and Atta. At the kickoff of the twenty nineteen MLR season, I'll be thirty two. Ah, oh, it's a spring chicken. Just a young fellow. I miss so many, you know, save a lot of miles on these knees recovering from that shoulder injury. And all that. So, <laughs> it all you, balances itself out. This is an honest question. Provided that you are healthy, a healthy Casey Rock, would you say that you have peaked yet in your play? That's a tough um, one to answer. I don't think it's that tough. Um, I So I probably missed out on like real rep honors because I just didn't know enough um, and, early and, and didn't take it serious enough early enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I like rugby. Like it wasn't really a thing. Like you couldn't get a contract, and so, and I and I and I'm just in the middle of these two generations where it's like old school club rugby dudes, like kicking the shit out of each other, and then like drinking a ton and partying, and this new like like yeah. full on professional era. And, Kids that are twenty getting paid to sure play and and and. I think that uh, when I was young enough to like, where I, it, where I really probably should have started taking it more seriously and focusing on the nutrition and all that stuff, um, there just wasn't enough of a future in it for me to like picture myself there to like dedicate the time. I just liked hanging out. Couldn't much. visualize it. Couldn't visualize it. If only you and Mayor Mike so, just went out for a beer and you just listened to his thoughts. Dude, Mike Dunfin one time overheard me saying I couldn't pay to go to collegiate all uh, to the western collegiate camp and uh like 45 minutes later came up to me and gave me a blank check and said hey overheard you saying that you couldn't really swing this like week in veil or whatever take however much you need and i was like that's really nice of you but i honestly cannot pay you back for this like and he was just like listen like you're representing the club but like in a positive light like go do your thing like you know like and so casey you already have Thanks. That's what a politician says. <laughs> Mayor Mike, you're the white whale. Rugby pick him. Come see us before you blow up. But uh, we got to end with our classic, a rugby pick him haiku. Oh. A little 575 to embody Casey Rock. All six, nine of them. I'm thinking Logan opens up with the first five line. No. You hit him with the seven, and I'll close with the five. I was actually thinking we should do it opposite. So, Brandon, you okay, start. Okay, I'll open up. He goes with the seven. I want to give you as much flexibility unless you want to close. No, no, I'm happy with the seven. Uh, I need a little room to maneuver. I'll do a little, like, soccer east thing. Okay. You do the heart and soul of Glendale. You do the legacy. All right. Just whatever's on his gravestone. Is <laughs> <laughs> I got that. Five okay. I'm like basically that. a nine-year-old Great Dane in rugby years, so that's not too <laughs> far off. <laughs> east Angels Big Man. Um, shit. That's two. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's an old Glenny. That's what we used to call ourselves. <laughs> Warhorse Casey Rock. Yes! Ooh, the corn dog. Strong finish, bud. And that is your rugby pick'em bio haiku 575. That's how we do it here at Rugby Pick'em. Yeah, we've been silent for a while. But we got Raptor Week. Max Statler up next. And Max Statler 
is Max Staller. You can never, I can never live up to that. You gotta air me first. <laughs> I've always been a fan of Max Staller. <laughs> the man. Yeah. Love Max. Yeah. He's what he's another like classic Bundle. For sure. Well, on behalf of my co-host Logan Collins, I'm BT. We've been sitting in with none other than Casey Rock and Rugby Pick'em Bio. I'm such a fan. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped. Pick'em! Chicken, just a young fella, you know, you know. Oh, um, geez, I didn't surprise me with the whole fucking immediate lightning round. It's okay, I will cut this. We won't, yeah, it's the real I'll just wait for Logan. Um, best club guy. I'm probably jumping ahead of schedule here, but... Hold on, before, I mean, obviously keep it rolling, but... Bonus segment. Let's the guy choose what song we lead in and lead out. Forgot about our culture section, which is what we're going to do in the bonus of this interview. Okay, <laughs> right on time. Logan, you bring up a good point. we got to talk culture with Casey. What is on your Spotify? What music do you get now with? And we have to ask you. What would you like to be introed in with, and what would you like to be outroed out with? For this year, for the first year ever, we got to pick the songs that they play at Infinity Park when we score a try, and yeah. I did not score a try. So each player has their own song that yeah. they get to choose. Yeah. No shit. We submitted it like through a Google form. Okay. Um, so is this your intro song then? Well, it never got played this year because I didn't score. All right. Well, so my intro song. Um, which is also my try-scoring song, Should It Ever Occur Again, yeah. is uh, DJ Cool, Let Me Clear My Throat. That's good. Yeah. Fuck, that's real good. So I've got a, like, a crew of pals that come to the games, and I knew that it like would get them real hype. So, no, for sure. Yeah. I'm just kind of pissed I didn't think of that. That's fucking, that's really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. solid. And outro. Um, um, I don't know. I was, I, was, like, I was driving over here on the way, like thinking about what the answer is <clears> to this, because you want, like, I don't know, like, I don't listen that much, like, cool stuff I guess like I, I don't know I've got a, like eclectic taste and my intro song is like old school hip hop and I listen to a lot of that but I don't want that to be my outro either so right. I was thinking uh, like I listen to a lot of the band Spoon and their song Inside Out is like pretty chill like <clears throat> might make me sound like a cool dude on my way out I couldn't tell you I don't, I don't know anything about this but we're gonna find out here in a minute you might recognize some of their other stuff Jay you a big Spoon guy? Spoon. Not a big spoon guy. In my library and embedded into my brain. Underdog. Yep. Little ska, a little punchy, kind of. What all song are you that. talking about? What's your outro song? What by it's song? called it's called Inside Out. I, it's it's yeah. not it's never been like a popular song, but hey. it doesn't matter, it's your song. It doesn't matter. Let's open it up. This was a question I haven't used since Logan Collins' famous rugby <laughs> pick and bio. What's your favorite thing on the internet right now? We're talking viril virality. Virality? Not virility. Oh, so like, virality. what is the silliest thing I've seen recently what do, that what I you, can't get enough of? Why can't you pull your eyes away on the internet? This is going to make me sound way more lowbrow than I like to think of myself. <laughs> but uh, 
videos where kids like have the Swiss balls. That's <laughs> no, good. That's harmless fun. I love that shit. It's not harmless, and that's okay. part of the funny thing about it. <laughs> it's it's physics. It's, it's, oh, it's one of those. It's a science lesson. I sort of prefer it in like a compilation where there's like like music or something where you can't hear the sounds of the skills. Oh, I can't see the aftermath. Are you kidding me? No, I just want to see the impact and then cut to the next scene of the same exact thing happening. And I mean, like any normal human being, I'm a sucker for like dog and cat videos. Like, there's something. Listen, I'm not, you're not alone on this. Oh my gosh, you talked about that in your Yeah, I remember that. Now that I say that out loud, God, that makes me sound like Logan's biggest fan. (laughs) I might be. It's natural. It's natural. Um, do you want to sign off with any uh, questions of us or of the absentee Johnny Warner? He's out. He's got boots on the ground. You know, Johnny's always out collecting sources, but yeah. you got anything for the rugby pick him? He's on the job. Yeah. So I told you I am a fan. I've, I've been listening. I can follow um, him in right here. And, uh. Big John. Hey, your friend Logan Collins here. Um, just wanted to. Give you a call. We're here live with your boy Casey Rock on the Rugby Pick'em Show. And we know your boot's on the ground right now. So uh, we got Casey here with us. We're wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing a couple words. Oh, hello, Casey. You're rather large. I'm super large. It's nice to hear from you, Uncle Johnny. How, how large, though? How large, mate? Six feet, nine inches tall, depending on what time of year it is, somewhere between 250 and 260. Uh, what is your opinion on inversion tables? Don't know much about them, Uncle Johnny. Would you invert? Convert or invert? Invert. Um, at this time, I've got to say that no, I would not invert. Not oh, an invert yeah. guy. To each their own. So, John, you got any hard-hitting questions you want for Casey, a veteran of the game? Actually, check that. Casey's got questions for you. I'm, I'm very curious about how you guys turned your like rugby lives into uh, journalism lives. What, what inspired all this? Yeah, it's, it's mostly just uh, the passion and the life itself, right? So, like, all your lives intertwine, regardless of what you do. And, and uh, when you merge them all together and uh, you have a passion for something, it turns out you can just talk about it all damn day. Thank God for the internet. Right? Yeah, and, you know, when it comes from a good place where you're just doing it for the love of the game, as they say... You know, it's like playing club rugby. So I guess that flips it back to Casey, which is what's the difference between biggest difference between playing club rugby and professional rugby? That's a good question, John. It's very good one. You're not allowed to miss any trainings at all. You got to be there. Wow. Stakes are higher. Presence. That's it. Not the Christmas kind, like being being there, presence. <laughs> being there. Uh, yeah, you know, the amount of buy-in is a lot more. I spend a lot more time in the weight room and, like, watching what I eat than I used to. It's no cutting corners. Especially at our age. John, I love you. Call me later. Dígame, amigo.
<laughs> can't fucking read. I'm nearly fucking illiterate. And I was all American. No big deal. You know. You know. You know. You know. You know. We like really need a friend right now. Do you want to hang <laughs> up? Because I'm a fan of the podcast. I've, I've listened to the bios. They're called the filth. Everybody hates them, you know. Sixty percent of my job was to run around and kick people. In. You know, I wasn't even really planning on going to college. Five seven five to embody Casey Rock. All six nine of them. I'm thinking Logan opens up with the first five line. No. You hit him with the seven, and I'll close with the five. I was actually thinking we should do it opposite. Yeah, you know? Dígame, amigo.